production. Imagine launching a service that seems too good to be true, looks really scary, and that many of us need, but few of us understand. Let's explore a marketer's dream or nightmare, depending on how you look at it, on episode 559 of the 12-year-old award-winning Small Business Big Marketing Podcast. Well, I say welcome to a small business marketing show, where successful small business owners share their souls to take your marketing straight to the lead. Now, here's your host, Mr. Tim And welcome back to your weekly dose of marketing challenges. I'm your host, Timbo Reid, and I have an insatiable curiosity for uncovering marketing strategies and ideas that help businesses just like yours to grow. You, infinitely more importantly, are a motivated business owner, I hope. That's why you're here. And you're ready to crank out some great marketing to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire that it absolutely deserves to be. And guess what? You're in the right place because that is why this podcast exists. As per usual, team, there's marketing G-O-L-D dripping from the ceiling over here at Small Business Big Marketing's HQ. So let's get stuck right in. Slovakian-born, Perth-based entrepreneur Matej Vahalik is one courageous and inspiring business owner. You see, in his late 20s, with English as his second language and coming from a relatively poor background, he came to Australia and launched the SpeedFit franchise. Where it gets interesting is that SpeedFit is a tough proposition to get your head around. Put simply, it's a strength-building program that you do 20 minutes a week and that professes to be the equivalent of hours of exercise without having to lift a single weight. Sounds too good to be true, right? (laughs) But wait, there is more. In one of SpeedFit's 21 boutique studios, you get changed into a garment that has you looking like a Navy SEAL, then wired up onto a machine that uses electronic muscle stimulation to activate your muscles. (laughs) Sounds scary, doesn't it? Now, I'm not for a minute questioning Matei's technology. That's not my business. My interest in interviewing Matei is to understand how he's gone about marketing something that seems too good to be true, looks scary, and that many of us need, but few of us understand. What a marketing challenge. From a business perspective, he's doing pretty well, growing a $4.4 million turnover last year to close to $10 million turnover this year. Not bad, given his marketing challenge and how badly the fitness industry has been affected by COVID. Massively would be an understatement. Matei does have a thick accent, but it won't take you long to become familiar with it. Enough from me. Let's meet SpeedFit's head franchisor, Matei Vahalik. I'm going to start by a very simple question, which you can't get wrong, which is what were you doing prior to launching SpeedFit? Uh, I was in uh, real estate or in business in general. So I have kind of like two careers prior SpeedFit, which are related to actually the SpeedFit. Because I used to play handball, European handball, or the Olympic sport, not very popular in Australia, but very popular in Europe and, and South America. So I used to play that as a professional so that's kind of my sport background. And then after I finished with my career, I jumped into the business and I run my own business since I was probably 21. Did you make the Olympics? No, no, no. But I actually now part of the Australian national team and squad. So I was playing an uh, Asian championship uh, two years ago in Qatar. So uh, in Kuwait, in Kuwait. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome, mate. 
so, okay, g- given that is your background, I'm guessing you're quite a driven person. Uh, probably, yes. I love to... I love to achieve things and I see it as the old challenges and it was pretty much with the sport as well. I love winning, to be honest. So for me, that's the thing. I love team sport as well. So I can translate it into companies as well and a business that I consider that our team is a kind of like a sport team. And also we're trying to improve every year, almost every season. We're comparing ourselves to other businesses as well, almost like a ranking and see how we can go better for the next financial year or next season. Does that, does that mean you keep some kind of constant scoreboard or dashboard on your computer that you're referring to what, on a hourly, daily, weekly basis? I wouldn't say that. That might be actually a good point to probably have, but it's more kind of like subconsciously that I'm always thinking that way and I'm con- uh, aware of what's going around, what the business is doing, what is, let's say, uh, standard revenue per location in our business or you know, the other businesses, what should be the conversion rate, things like this where I kind of compare ourselves and go, okay, can we actually achieve better return on investment, better conversion rate, better turnover than anyone else and how we can get there, can we get the steps together, can we cre- create a team that can can perform and achieve it. Are you a win-at-all-costs kind of guy? <laughs> uh, probably I was when I was younger. I think it's uh, it's changing when I'm getting uh, slightly older, I would say, and, and wiser probably, that I'm, I feel like it's not the most important thing. It's the uh, it's a long game as well. We don't sprint here. So I wouldn't say on the old cost, but I just love that uh, feeling. I love that uh, that gives you the reason to do things. I just don't like to just doing things for sake of doing it without any outcome. Uh, so that's why I think even Speedfit as a project for me, I'm very excited to kind of going every day to work because I see how much impact we can do, uh, what we can achieve, and uh, and it's just great feeling. Well, let's talk Speedfit because I know I said. I think you've got one of the great marketing challenges known to man. You're up for that challenge, clearly, by the sound of it. Before I ask how you are actually solving that challenge, how did you come across SpeedFit in the first place? I've seen the technology back in Europe. The technology that we're utilising in SpeedFit is called EMS. It's electromuscle stimulation. So that technology is quite popular, I would say. Not very popular, but there is a lot of studios in, in Europe uh, I'm originally from Slovakia, a uh, country next to us, Hungary. Budapest has a, is a capital city, size of probably like Perth. They will have probably around 100 locations uh, just uh, there. Wow. And, uh, and I've heard from my physio, from the physio about this technology when I hurt my back. So I had some personal issue and I've seen that effect of the technology and how efficient it is. And I've seen also the other concepts in uh, in Europe utilizing this technology. Uh, so we actually opened the first studio like this uh, in Slovakia. And then we've been in Australia before as a students. Uh, and we always were looking to set some great business or something in Australia to have just a reason to come back and be part of this amazing country. Then I reached out to a friend of mine, Roland, at that time, and I asked him, hey, do you want to set up something like this with me in Australia? We can take that concept, we can turn it around what Australians need and, and launch it in Perth. And I thought it's going to be just amazing and it's going to take care of all my um, summer holidays in Australia for three months in a year. That was my business plan. Uh, we were not planning to, to move to Australia. So, yeah, that was the original idea. Okay, so y- your first SpeedFit business was actually uh, back in Eastern Europe. Yes, uh, yes. Bringing it out here, I imagine, I mean, <laughs> there's your first problem. The culture in Australia, very different to Slovakia, I'm guessing. And we're probably, I don't know, are we more doubting 
in the terms of like this new technology that you're presenting to us is like, really? Did you give that any consideration or did you just think it was going to be as easy as back home? <laughs> Tim, you're very right. Uh, first of all, yes, it's very different to Slovakia. Second of all, I didn't think that through as well. So I was very naive and I thought that it's going to be like exactly very like open-minded as people in Europe. To be honest, I think Australia is very uh, like a large country in a way. So we need to kind of separate as well from, let's say, Sydney, Melbourne versus Perth. When we launch business in Perth, what I heard and what I see now, Perth is probably more on conservative way uh, of thinking. So that was even more challenge. So when we kind of start getting speed feet off the ground, I heard people commenting from East Coast like, ah, if you made it in, in Perth, you can just fly through Sydney because uh, people in Perth usually holding back. And that was exactly what happened to us. We came with that concept. As we're talking about here about the marketing, we didn't have a clear strategy how to get out there. We just thought that people will naturally come to us just because we think we are fantastic. And uh, it just didn't happen. We opened the studio and there was no people. <laughs> yeah, not great for business when there's no people. I'm interested, before before we go into the detail of this marketing challenge that you have, describe for us SpeedFit. I'm going to walk in to a, a studio, a shop front that is branded SpeedFit. It's 100% SpeedFit. It's not part of a gym. I am welcomed. Why have I decided to go there and what happens? Why you decided to come uh, to SpeedFit? Probably because you're looking for something which is much more efficient than a gym because it's really condensing hours of exercise into a short period of time. Maybe you have some sort of uh, physical constraints like you're looking for low-impact exercise. Maybe you had some injury that you don't have the perfect technique. Maybe you can't afford to have a personal trainer with you all the time and SpeedFit is more cost-effective way but still have that uh, personal attention. You may be just kind of busy person as well and you value other things more than actually gym, but you still want to be fit because this kind of describes a lot of our clients. And what will happen when you come in? We'll greet you hopefully very nicely and then uh, offer you pre-workout drink. We'll explain you how the technology works. The studio is very small, very beautiful uh, setup. So a typical studio will be around 70 to 100 square meters. Uh, only two people at a time training there and you will see only one uh, personal trainer there. So it's very, very intimate set- setting. You will be provided with the exercise garments. So we don't need to bring anything with you. So when you are a busy person, you just walk into our studio, we'll provide you with a pre-workout drink. We'll provide you with the towels, with the garments, with non-slip socks as well. You get changed and then we put or new special electro muscle stimulation equipment, uh, which consists of the vest and, and some straps uh, that stimulates your muscles. So then we'll guide you through, through the personal training session where it's going to be you and uh, another person and personal trainer will get you through. For the, se- for the sake of, given this is an audio uh, program, basically once you are in your gear and I'm looking at someone in it right now, uh, you look like a Navy SEAL. <laughs> uh, maybe, yeah, like ready to go somewhere up in space or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it looks yeah. cool. It does. It looks cool. Like pretty much is that it's a, we need to have the technology that stimulates your muscles. So what it does, if you remember, probably you'll remember like from 90s or whatever, it was on a TV when you have these little the belts that you watching the TV and it stimulates your abs to, to give you a six pack while, you, while you're watching the TV. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the yeah, technology yeah. is pretty much same. It's just the large scale and probably much better. And we combining that technology with set of exercises, basic exercises like a set of lunges, squats, 
and things like this, which when you move, is kind of enhancing the impact of this technology. So pretty much it's a low impact exercise. We're not using any external weights. We're supporting you through the exercises if you have any balance issues and so on and so on. And the technology stimulates your muscles. So you feel like pins and needles or something like it's really squeezing your muscles in the same way as you will kind of lift the weight without pretty much lifting the weight. And amount of those exercises of these contractions what happens in a 20 minutes time it's pretty much that many that it will take you hours in a gym to go and do as many bicep curls squats sit-ups uh, push-ups and all that stuff wow i saw uh, i saw you appear on shark tank and janine ellis one of the sharks got into the gear and was doing it i mean she i think and one of the other sharks was as well they they developed up quite a sweat very quickly albeit they would have been under tv lights but it looked quite rigorous and it was only a 20 minute workout yes and i'm i'm not sure i don't think so we actually did full session on shark tank i think what you've seen it was just a couple of minutes that we've done the presentation i mean on the tv it was shorter but even in real life i don't think so we actually went for a full 20 minutes so that's when you can see the impact because all the muscles happening uh and contracting at the same time your body feels and even based on the research pretty much we will mimic the high intensity interval training session if you are a normal person and you need to kind of achieve that impact for your body you will need to really push yourself you really need to go to kind of really rigorous exercises you know to push yourself there is risk of injuries so a lot of our clients uh, liking the fact that you can't injure yourself you can get that benefits uh, for yourself without kind of really pushing yourself so hard. Okay, so we're in a wacky outfit that looks like something out of it. You're a Navy SEAL. Your muscles are wired up. They're not that they get an electric shock, but they are. What what, what do you call it? A they get a, a current or a contractions. We call it contractions. A contraction. You are only there for twenty minutes. It's seventy bucks. You say it's equivalent to hours of exercise without having to lift a single weight. These are all incredible claims and I don't doubt them except I want to know how you overcome them from a prospect's point of view because to tell you the truth, you know, I watched Shark Tank and I watched you turn the dial up on the machine and my heart started racing. I'm like, oh, geez, I'm glad I'm not Janine. Um, and so what are the things that you're putting in place, Matei, so that Speed Fit is a success? Go. You, you spot on with the... With the marketing point of view and exactly the perception and what we're facing as a challenges. And that was one of the first challenges that we faced that it just sounds too good to be true. So everyone was like, hey, yeah, of course. And I'm not interested because it's just so good to be true. To be honest, the, the science says that if you do actually 15 minutes of that exercise, you will reach 95% of the, the results because then your muscle fiber is getting tired. So I remember when we started with the, with the speed fit and we had the first location here in WA Norbridge, we actually had a shop front saying 15 minutes only. We had to change it because that was so ridiculous that people will not even try it. So we actually changed it to 20 minutes because we're like, this 15 minutes just sounds ridiculous. So the reason why we're doing 20 minutes just to be more realistic and also we stop claiming like what is good for everything. We had to decide it, what is our core customer, what is the audience, what they actually are interested in and really narrow it down to few things. Otherwise, you just, it just sounded like, yeah, of course, you know everything. It does everything. It knows everything. So I'm not interested because there's nothing specific to me, if that makes sense, from from marketing point of view. So it was a massive challenge, to be honest, to overcome the objections from the clients 
And I even remember that we launched the studio and we had a couple of clients. I think we were doing probably around 50 sessions first year per week in our, in the studios. And uh, we couldn't get more. And clients who got amazing results, we were asking them for referrals. And they said, oh, I'm not going to say my friends that I'm doing speed fit. Like, it's embarrassing. I feel like I, I feel like I'm cheating. Well, there's another problem. Exactly. I feel like I'm cheating. It's not real. I don't want to go even to to tell them what I'm doing because it's just so weird to explain. Uh, I don't know if I can trust you. I don't even know why I'm doing it, but it does work for me, and uh, so I'll do it. But I don't tell anyone. And we were we were shattered. We were devastated. Like, come on, that's what we need. We came here. This is amazing. And like, yeah, it's cool for me, but I'm not that person. I'm not gonna you know tell. So that was our very first challenge. Well, I, I suppose, I suppose, as a user of SpeedFit, you would feel like, wow! And if it is working, and like if you're getting fit and lean and well, twenty minutes a week, why would you tell anyone about that secret sauce? Because it's like you want them to think you're going to the gym every day, and you you know you're two hours and you're punching weights and you're running marathons. Spot on. Everyone wants to be perceived like I'm the one who can do it. And I remember I was devastated because I used to train one of the quite well-known person from TV and she's been coming to me. I was training her once a week and then I was reading the, the article in newspaper and she's like, you know, old good stuff, three times a week, 6 a.m., I can get it done. No. And I was like, you must be kidding me. That's what we need. Someone like you say that you're doing speed fit. But she said like, no, it's so controversial. I will never say that because I don't want to create that, that thing. So it's almost like when you go to plastic surgery, no one wants to meet on the reception. Everyone's like, no, what, what are you doing here? I'm just asking for water. What are you doing <laughs> yeah, yeah. here? You're like, no, I want to be seen going there yeah. so we had to overcome that and I remember that we it was whole rebranding thing when we started to call Speedfit as a smarter workout because we wanted to really call it that way and we tried to make the perception that it's like a smarter phone it's just a smarter technology it's actually smarter to use this technology it's not cheating because a lot of people for the first two years kind of perceive us as a cheating if they will go for a shortcut for a speed feed instead of taking advantage of the technology. So that was one of the big marketing challenges that we had. It rings a bell. It's a very unusual analogy I'm about to share with you, Matei, and it's before your time, when before you came to Australia, but there was a margarine, there still is a margarine called Meadow Lee, and their campaign from the 1980s was a jingle which basically the, the key the key sentence in this jingle was you ought to be congratulated and it was targeting housewives back then uh, you couldn't run that ad these days but back then it was saying to the housewives if you bought Meadow Lee margarine you ought to be congratulated um, and there are a couple of other campaigns around that time as well uh, good on your mum tip tops the one for bread and my point being you're going down the track by the sounds of it as inst- instead of kind of saying hey this is your secret to getting fit really quick you're you're trying to say this is your secret to get fit the smart way and and if you do it then you're one of the smart ones is that kind of where you're headed with it exactly we wanted to create a field that people are actually proud to say i'm doing it a smarter way i'm the smarter i'm not a cheater so obviously we've uh, we still have a lot of work to do obviously we have only 
now around 30 locations is going to be around Australia. So it's still very minimum from what the technology does. And if you can compare it with like, let's say Pilates or yoga studios, there's so much room to grow. So I'm not saying that we've done it. I'm just saying that was the challenges, the initial challenges we had. And especially in Perth, we've seen that with number of studios we got here, we're overcoming them. We have a lot of clients and so on, and we're still growing. So, but that was like first two years, that was the massive, massive challenge for us. I noticed, you mean, the first thing I noticed that you're doing to address this problem is you go to speedfit.com.au, you're confronted with a, a full page video and a complimentary introductory consult, which I guess is your way of saying, hey, listen, what, come in and try it for free? Is that what you're doing? Actually, we don't do free trials, to be honest. We charge for trials. What is the complimentary? Why? Uh, because it has a value. We, we will never do free trial. We never done it. And we actually always selling the trials. So we probably, out of all the gyms out there, we don't do it and we don't want a discount. And you probably know from the brand point of view and value, we, you can have a VIP pass from me because you know me or you might have know some franchisee who will give it to you or in some special occasion, but you will never able to be booked for a free session online just, just like that. I am totally against, except in certain circumstances, discounting. It's a dead-end street. I get it. Why give away something for free? You say it's got a value. The, the complimentary session has a value. Yeah, it does. It costs you money. But surely the value of someone coming in off the street who doesn't believe this works or isn't dangerous and you convert them in a 10-minute free trial that's got a greater value, surely. I agree with you. That's why we're doing this complimentary introduction, which pretty much gets you to the studio so you can see and feel what's going on. We can sit down with you. We can explain you what's, what we're doing. We can ask you about your goals and see if this technology can help you. If you then decided, hell yeah, I want to do it, we go, okay, perfect. It's $90 for three sessions. Are you in? 95% of people say yes. Hell yeah, I'm in. So we can still convert on 100% cost. We still don't need to do uh, any discount because just by seeing and getting people in and get, uh, kind of breaking the first barrier to even enter their business because we're so confident that our technology and our business is so good that we're going to help those people. We just need to have that conversation. We don't need to give them free session. We need to have that conversation. So by free conversation, that's where we can kind of break the barrier, get them in, explain them what can benefit them. We can show them some cases of our clients, show the results, and they go like, hell yeah, now I get it. Let's do it. Are you charging full freight for a, a free for a trial? No, because it's uh, it's pretty much equivalent of $30 for trial uh, compared to full session, which is like $60 if you are on membership. So it's still discounted for a trial to just get people in. So we apply the discount, but it's still paid discount, uh, so paid uh, service. So here's another blockage. Excuse me for bringing up all these blockages, but I hope you find it productive. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I love it. Yes. <laughs> it wasn't meant to be a marketing coaching session, but I am absolutely fascinated. Here's, here's another blockage. Your studios are small. What did you say? 70 to 100 square metres. Yes. Is that right? Yes. So they're tiny. Yes. Uh, you can't hide in your studio. So how are you getting people to walk in off the street into a studio where I'm guessing there are people wired up doing weird things? I would feel very self-conscious actually even walking in and wondering what to ask outside of what the hell is this, guys? And not many people would have the front to do that. 
So how are you getting them in in the first place? In the first place, the biggest uh, source of leads for us are referrals because just now we kind of break the barrier. People feel proud about doing speed feeds. So that's the first thing that we had the barrier to, to break. And now we see that... Can I just... Uh, hands up here. So what you're saying, referrals is your number one way of getting new people in. So you've, you've solved the problem of current customers keeping it a secret. Absolutely. By turning them into smart people. Absolutely. Awesome. Yes. Well done. So how else are you getting them into the studios? Yeah, so second second biggest source will be social media and internet because it's a personal training. So even if you walk in, the chance that you can get served is a minimum because usually the, the trainer is busy with the sessions. So we don't even encourage clients to walk in because it's not a great experience. We It will be some probably some iPad waiting for you on a on the reception desk to leave your details and then after the session we'll follow up with you but we consider it kind of like a waste of time for our busy clients you we encourage them to go online to book the session uh, we have a person that will kind of get you through induction over the phone uh, to save you some time find the studio find the spot for you and book you in specifically for a session so someone's already waiting for you for that uh, chat and the, and the trial session Okay. Any, any other ways? Are you advertising beyond social media? Uh, you Do you have partnerships with health food shops or I don't know, what else What else are you doing to drive traffic? To be honest, it's, it's, it, sounds, it sounds amazing or, or very bad, but we're not doing actually much. When I see we had few people from like typical 24-7 gyms that they really need to squeeze every single angle, every single lead to get something. And we go like, well, we didn't even start doing it. We're still busy. So we just kind of pretty much doing now only social media and referrals. But slowly, we're just building our marketing team. Pretty much our head of marketing, she started four weeks ago. And she now building the, the things like, I know the next quarter, she wanted to try Spotify as a new uh, way of getting some leads that we never tried before. We trying to go to maybe WeChat because we see that we have a lot of specific followers from, from Asia when they love technology and they love to be fit. So we see the strong uh, strong following from their uh, segment. But pretty much so far, only Google and Facebook and Instagram. Pretty much the, Insta- the, fa- the Facebook was uh, for many, many years number one source of leads for us because we could share what we've done. We could share all these segments on the, uh, on the TV. So pretty much the big breakthrough of Speedfeed happened when the Channel 7 program t- Today Tonight, which is like 7 p.m. Uh, night show every day, promoted Speedfeed or they came and did a session with us. That was pretty much when Speedfeed in WA kind of started because before we were just trading the water, going around 50 clients a week. And when we managed to get on TV, that pretty much overnight turned our business into success. Wow, Matei, you rolled the dice getting today, tonight in. Uh, that could have gone one of two ways because from, uh, to my knowledge and a little bit of experience where I've worked for a business where they wanted to come in and do an expose on it, they don't tell you whether it's going to be a good or a bad expose. No. Now, if you've got nothing to hide, that's okay, although they can still the, – these. The, this media crowd, they can still find an angle that yes. could bury you. 100% agree with you, Tim. You need to understand at that time, we were we had nothing to lose. We were pretty much about to pack our bags and go back to Europe ah. because the business was not, was not working. I remember that I already sent my wife and my first one back to Slovakia and I said, I'm going to wrap it up here. 
Uh, I'll give it maybe two months. It cost us so much money. We were funding all that money. Pretty much coming from Eastern Europe, the money we spent in first two years will let, uh, let me to retire in Slovakia without working. But as you mentioned, I liked challenges. So that was one of the challenges <laughs> to come here and, and see if we can make it work. So I remember that we sat with Roland and said, look, I'm not going to pay you anymore the salary. We, you need to find some extra gig or something. Uh, we can't support anymore this business. We have 30 days to find something. And pretty much for seven days, we were calling the TVs and all the media every day until they said yes. And, uh, and then we managed to get uh, everything kind of happening in next 60 days, I think. And we used the last money that we had to open a second location just to prove the point that we are successful and uh, and just bet everything all in, as you can imagine. Everything was just all in. What was your mindset like then? You're, you're a competitive guy, you're a smart guy. Were you sort of starting to crumble or you were strong of mind and just thought, you know, uh, I just got to go hardy. I can't leave anything on the table. Uh, hard to say. We had a bit of backup, to be honest. Like I am supported by my incredible wife. So that's kind of give you really good base because you don't feel like you're risking it all because you know that you have her on side. Emotionally supported or financially supported? Emotionally. Yeah, emotionally. Right. Yeah, emotionally. Fantastic. So pretty much yeah. we, because uh, we both coming from quite um, humble, kind of the the basics uh, not quite poor basic families. So we didn't have much when we were growing up. So when I was running my business and I was quite well in Slovakia, we finished uh, our house and we kind of made a pact that if we can manage to always have like two bedroom apartment at the end of this journey, where we were kind of growing up into, we go, that's fine. We used to do that. So it's nothing, everything else we have, we can trade for amazing journey in life rather than be kind of very secure. And we were... Back in time, we were 28 at the time. So it was very early that I felt like I have so much energy, I have so much power. I just don't want to be just cruising to the rest of my life. So we knew that even everything would be bad and it was hundreds of thousands. We knew that we still can manage to get that apartment. We can have somewhere to, we have one uh, and another. We can go back to Slovakia, live in that two-bedroom apartment. And at least we will have the memories and experiences uh, worth, worth doing it. So it wasn't, as uh, you know, as bad I would say. It wasn't a dire. It wasn't a dire situation. You you had a fallback. You were young, full of energy. You put it down to experience. Exactly, so and I. And the I, downside wasn't as big. Exactly, and I and I. Uh, it happened to me in two thousand eight when it was the 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 GFC when I pretty much lost a lot of uh, revenue or a lot of money on my net worth pretty much almost dropped completely because I was in real estate at that time. So I already had experience as well to kind of going from the top to the bottom and, and bouncing back. And if you when you're 28, you go like, that's okay, it's a life, that's fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Matei, um, how do you, well, actually, I want to I continue. So you've, you've talked about how to attract new clients in. Are you, is, the, is your loyalty rate very high? Once people try it, are they then, what, what is it, 50% signing up for 12 months, 10%, 90%? So currently, I think for last month, we were sitting around 55%. But typically, experienced studios and managers, they, they, they are between 60 to 75% conversion rate from, from lead to sign up. And 70% of our clients pre-COVID was on 12 months membership. Now we have a bit of flexibility because of the COVID and all these closures happening around. But pretty much 70% of our clients will be on 12 months contract. And many of them staying a long time. Our CRM system doesn't really 
kind of very well tracking the retention rate and how long they stay in average. We have some data, but we don't have like one number that will kind of represent it. One location when I was working, which is like really outstanding, is the Claremont in WA. We have 30% of the members, they join us in the first year, seven years ago, still. Wow, and they're still with you, 30%. That's 30% good. of the members. Because I imagine the lifetime value of a customer at SpeedFit is pretty significant. So, you know, not to... Yeah, imagine it's $3,000 it's $3, a year. Yeah. And imagine that you have someone coming for seven years. Yeah, twenty one grand right there. Tell me, um, okay, so one of the things, one of the areas that I would have thought would be an absolute goldmine for you is creating content, creating help, what I call helpful content, blogs, podcast. YouTube channel, probably a really cool, cool Insta. Now, I know you've got an Insta. You've got a little bit of all of that. If you haven't got a podcast, your blog, and I have to reprimand you for this, the last blog post was November 1, 2019. Now, for a business where there is massive doubt and there is massive fear and there is massive lack of understanding and there is massive, I don't know whether I should give them my money because I don't know whether they're going to be here tomorrow, a two-year-old out-of-date blog is going to really do a good job at, at putting the last nail in the coffin. I, I, I agree what with you 100%. You, and, sorry, I have to say, I have to add to that, your Twitter hasn't been updated since the 8th of September 2020. Now, I'm not here to just throw stones. I'm here to have a, a mature marketing conversation. Thank you for laughing at my observations and not, you know, hanging up on this interview. But what's going on? We're just so busy with our clients and referrals. They're coming through. So we don't really need to okay. do it, to be honest. That's what I said. Like, the, <laughs> Well, then then turn it off. Yeah, you're, you're right. You're right. Like, no, on a serious note, to be honest, we're very young company and small in a way. Like, even yeah. when I look 15 months ago, it will be pro- probably my wife, myself in office and another one or two people in a head office. So pretty much we started to build a serious head office uh last financial year when, as I said, we just appointed head of marketing. We just, uh, in the process actually today, they are recruiting second uh, uh, marketing officer. So there will be like second person uh, to do it. So before we didn't even have a full-time person to do marketing. We, wow. We had one uh, for last nine months. She was amazing, but she were, it was her first job. She came as an intern and then we turned her into marketing manager. She were 21, first job. Uh, so we were kind of dealing with things like this. So there was no... Uh, like real focus on that because for us, the focus was to make sure that we deliver amazing service for people, get them the results and business take care of itself. So that was kind of the understanding. Can we give them extra value? Can we give them free pre-workout drink? Can we give them post-workout drink? Can we do eight-week challenges? Can we do cardio sessions? Can we make sure that we have the right people who servicing them rather than having amazing marketing campaign and then you coming and get disappointed? So the, the focus is pretty much to make sure that the service is outstanding and then we will catch up on the marketing later, if that makes sense. But we, that's definitely focus of ours now, especially when we're scaling up. Uh, we're just opening now, in the next 60 days, we're opening six locations. Like this year, 2021, is probably our biggest yet. Like how many locations? We're almost opening one a month and it's, uh, it's just kind of building the momentum now. So we are now in the process having operations manager, admin office manager, head of marketing, you know, so the, the, the head office is pretty much growing from two people to 10 uh, in last 12 months. That's amazing. And, and wow, what, what courage. I, I, you guys, you business owners, you know, this is why I do what I do. I just think you're all full of courage uh, and particularly what you've just said in the sense of, you know, opening up locations at a fair rate 
in the middle of a global pandemic at, of which gyms are one of those businesses amongst many that have been severely impacted. So your mindset there is pretty ad- admirable, Matei. Thank you. I, I think it's, it's supported by numbers, to be honest. Like we see that our clients are so loyal to our brand, to be honest, uh, because you're paying for a session, so we don't sh- we don't charge you for access like typical gym. So whenever the pandemic was there as well, when it was like 2020, the first one for three months, I think that everyone, the JobKeeper and all that stuff happened, uh, 30% of our members actually sticked with us and were still paying weekly membership just to get us through and say like, oh, I'm going to just bank up on my sessions. I don't mind, guys. I'm going to support you. You are small business, local business. We love you. We want to stay with you. So the loyalty that we have, it's amazing and the support. So that allowing us to kind of make those brave decisions. And also when we look at uh, any restrictions, even now in New South Wales, pretty much yesterday, they, uh, they said there is new restriction for up to 20 per- people per class. We have two people. So we are the most safe, safe COVID business uh, in fitness space you can find. So even from that point of view, I mean, it's disappointing to see that, that Melbourne, for example, they said our gym was the last to open for n- no reason. Uh, but we can't do anything with that. On the other hand, we have quite good business model with low overheads. So even the business, uh, the, even the money that we get from the government almost cover all our expenses. So we didn't really lose money, to be honest. Good country, Australia, isn't it? Amazing, amazing. When I, I was actually doing the, <laughs> the interview for Forbes in Slovakia when the pandemic hit, because they were trying to compare different countries, what they're doing, and they couldn't believe. Like they pretty much, when I was telling them, guys, to run the business in Australia, and that's my observation as a for anger. If you ask someone in Australia, many people will kind of complain and, and, and say something that is not enough, not enough. I'm going like, guys, wake up. Like, this is the outstanding, the support that you got here, the job keeper, the, the tax offset, the, the grants when we close. Like, nothing like this happened in Europe. Nothing. Like, it's kind of... We're not, even called, if the la- ha- we're not called the lucky country for no reason. Exactly. No, for me, like, this is amazing. <laughs> and it, that's why I don't even feel as, like, in Slovakia or in Europe, I will feel, like, much more stressed because even if you will have some grants it will take you months to get it. In Australia, you feel much more supported and, and safer. Uh, now, I think the country is amazing. Matei, where's the business at today? How, how many studios? Can you tell us turnover, growth, number of staff? Just give us a sense of exactly where it's at. And I like it. He's, he's moving to his, looking at his screen, mouse in hand. You're going to refer to some dashboard <laughs> or spreadsheet. Off you go. Yeah, I'm the numbers guy as well. So, uh yeah, in terms of like how many how many locations we have, we have up and running twenty one locations. Uh, it's going to be thirty by end of this calendar year. Uh, as I said, we we're doing now five six locations are pretty much just now rolling. Uh, in WA, we just opening uh, next month Central Coast, which will be the first one. Uh, we opening South Australia uh, in uh, next quarter. So there's a lot of things happening. So from that point of view, I think it's it's really good. Uh, this financial year, we're doing we're doing well. Like we, our goal was pretty much to hit ten million some sometime this calendar year. That was pretty much the goal. As I'm looking now, we're pretty much eight point six uh, year to date. How does that make you feel? Uh, amazing. The, I'm more looking like it's actually fifty eight percent year on year growth. That's what make me more happy. So then the overall number because we. Yes, we're always looking at the fundamental numbers like what we can deliver to our franchises, what are studios making, what is the retro investment. Because it's funny world in franchising, every time I go to some expert, everyone asks you how many locations you got. That's the first question because everyone measures it by the 
the number of uh, outlets. That's a success. No one really cares if the franchise is making money, in my opinion. So we're really focusing on making sure that uh, the basic economic is right for, for them. And uh, the second thing is that when I tell them that most of them are in WA, everyone's like, huh, okay, no one really cares what's, what's going on in WA. So that, that's really the next challenge for us that we would like to focus really now on East Coast. Pretty much by end of this year, we're going to have 20 locations in WA, uh, which pretty well, much... Well, I, I wonder, and I was saying far be it for me to overview a rollout strategy for SpeedFit, but as I said to you, I, I live in a place called Noosa. Uh, Noosa is a very popular and a pretty wealthy seaside resort full of tourists and if and all the locals are pretty wealthy, mainly retired. I think I'm the only person actually that lives and works in Noosa. They're all retired and they're all wealthy. Uh, they're all wanting to live till 150. So this to me is a market that SpeedFit couldn't fail in, I think. So I guess that poses the question, why are you sort of going, oh, we're going to open up in South Australia and Central Coast, New South Wales, as opposed to cherry-picking key locations? Noosa, Byron Bay, you know, um, Sorrento or Mornington down in, in Melbourne, you know, like, you know, why, why aren't you going, being more micro about it? If we do, like when I mentioned, like, the, the location, like the state itself, we do have the data. Pretty much we, we've drilled down what is our demographic, we know what is their average income, we know what is that, who is our core customer. So pretty much we have nominated 175 territories in Australia, which we know they are kind of represent what our studio is doing. And pretty much when I'm saying... Uh, Adelaide, I know we're going North Adelaide and we know why we're going North Adelaide. So when I'm saying we're going Central Coast, I know why we're going East Gosford because that's the reasoning behind. And to be honest, Noosa, definitely, I've been actually there as a, as a tourist. It's an amazing place uh, to live uh, and I'm sure doing the business as well. It's just because we need people, to be honest. Like we have a lot of corporate locations, so we can run it as a corporate. But when we see some sort of locations remotely, I still believe that it's, the connection is missing. When we opened, for example, Kotara location in Newcastle region, it was driven by the person living there and saying, hey, I, I, that person we knew from Speedfit because she used to be our employee. We said, let's, hell, let's do it. Let's do the partnership. Let's open location there. Today, the Kotara is the number one location in Australia. And it's driven by the people because we're providing services. So we just don't want to go and roll out some sort of retail or whatever. We rather go and making sure that we have the right person there. The service is amazing. Maybe slower, but uh, we didn't close any location. We don't want to do it. We want to make sure that everyone who's working business with us is uh, is profitable. One thing, I, and you're doing a few, a, quite a few things right. I, I, I have, I, I've been constructively critical. I hope you think one of the things I love what you're doing is your branding's excellent. You know, there, um, putting aside, it's a nice logo, but your consistency of branding. You're sitting there in your SpeedFit uh, jacket, SpeedFit logo on the website, SpeedFit signage. Is is just a, a beautiful consistency about it, which gives the sense of you being a whole lot bigger than you are. And that's a tip for every small business in Australia, you know, from the little cafe on the corner to the five office business down the road, like get your branding right. It's not hard. It costs just as much to get it right as it does to get it wrong. 100% agree. 
Uh, if you will see our logo before, it was more kind of like a surfing brand or something when I look at it. And I remember when we actually, the, the agency that we worked with at that time, they presented to us the logo and I, and I felt like they were rushing out and they just type it in some sort of like the word document and uh, show yeah. me, here's the speech, here's the, we were like, this guy might make a joke of us or what? This is like crazy. <laughs> and, but when they gave us the reasoning and th- to be honest, like the world corpor- uh, cooperation with them didn't work out quite well. But one thing what they done very well was exactly the branding, the look and feel of the logo. And then we pretty much matched the, the studio to it. And uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's... Uh, it just feels that way. That is like really nice, nice, uh, good brand. Yeah. Matei, um, thank you so much for allowing me to question you and pry and prod and figure out exactly how you are making, you are working towards making speed fit a success. I, I, I think it's a great story in the making, and I know you've got some, you've got some pretty steep hills to climb in order to get that, you know, expansion across the whole of Australia and to get the belief of a whole lot of people who currently, you know, like I said at the start, don't necessarily understand what it is, are too scared about it, or whatever it may be. So, and I didn't expect you to have all the answers either, you know. Um, but you've, you've got a few and clearly you're doing something right. So uh, well done, buddy, for coming over here and, and having a crack at, a, at, a, at what is potentially a tough business. So thank you for sharing. Oh, thank you so much, Tim. Yeah, that was an amazing journey. And, and yeah, I enjoy this conversation. It's, it's amazing because you have that knowledge about the branding and, and how it's supposed to be done. And, uh, and I love your kind of challenging me on these questions and how it's supposed to be done. So I learn a lot from this conversation. Thank you so much. Good, mate. Uh, just send me your address so I can send you an invoice. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> thank you, Matei. Thank you so much, Tim, for having me. Well, there you go, team. Speed fits Matei Vahalik. What a good guy and what a marketing challenge he's got ahead of him. Hey, do you think I was too hard on him? I was a little bit nervous at the time, sort of giving him the constructive feedback that I did. I certainly didn't mean to be hard on him and subsequently he has sent me a lovely note thanking me for both the appearance on this podcast and for the ideas and thoughts that I did share with him. Coming up, we hear from a listener that's figured out the secret sauce to creating sales surges without discounting. Love that. But first, here's what grabbed my attention from that chat with Matei. Attention grabber number one. I love Matei's never give up attitude. It's that kind of attitude that I am so in awe of when I chat to business owners just like him. Sort of why I do what I do. I just find it so inspiring. It's like a hit of goodness, that kind of attitude. Attention grabber number two. To that end, I love the fact that when the business looked like it was going to close, Matei pulled out all stops and rang every media outlet he could in order to get some exposure, good or bad exposure. And believe me, that Today Tonight opportunity could have gone either way. But as Matei said, it really was the last roll of the dice and, you know, it worked. Thank goodness. Attention grabber number three. I love how Matei flipped his client's attitude from one of Speedfit being their little secret that they chose not to share with others, meaning he got no word of mouth at all, to repositioning the client's perception that they're the smart ones, an attitude that they would be much more likely to share with others, therefore creating word of mouth. Genius. A simple repositioning. That's what grabbed my attention. I really would love to know what grabbed yours or just what marketing is working for you generally. Ring the Small Business Big Marketing hotline on 0480 
015-150 and leave me a message. Canadian listener Ella did just that. Hi, Timbo. Ella here from the Peachland Wine Shop in Canada. And I wanted to call you and thank you so, so, so much for your podcast and the consistent effort you put into it to bring us valuable content. I only came across your podcast about six-ish months ago, and it was perfect because my commute is about an hour per day, uh, all of it on a highway, so I can really focus on the talking points. One of the first and most influential episodes I listened to was the number 496 with the founder of Bonjoro. And you see, up to that point, I always typed our monthly newsletter, and I hardly ever got much feedback, (laughs) maybe one or two people per month. Uh, In fact, the month before listening to that episode, I had a limited-release wine in stock, not one of which I sold. Now, the following month, I did a video newsletter instead and edited myself talking about the new announcements, including the limited-release wine. And wouldn't you know it, I sold out of it within a week. So since then, I always do video monthly newsletters and have always seen a surge in sales after sending them out. So thank you again for the priceless G-O-L-D you're spreading all around the world. (laughs) I will continue to recommend your podcast to any and all small business owners I meet. Thank you so much, Timbo, and I hope you have a great day. Bye. Thank you so much, Ella, for reaching out and for supporting this little podcast. And what a bright voice you have. You are one motivated business owner. You are exactly the reason I put this podcast together. And glad you are seeing the power of the video at Bonjoro, which we talked about in depth in episode 496. Um, And video marketing in general also appears now to be on your radar, Ella going from a written newsletter to video. It's great, and it's wonderful to see the sales boosts as a result. You know, video marketing, and I'm not, you know, it's like video marketing is not like the be-all and end-all, but it is very good at boosting sales. It is very good at arresting customer churn, and I think it's about that sort of personal message that you put into it because, you know, all of a sudden your prospects and your clients get to see you. It's pretty cool, but, you know, podcasting's better. Well, that almost wraps up episode 559 of the Small Business Big Marketing Podcast. No episode next week, team? Nope. I am taking a break. I was going to say a well-earned break, but you can be the decider of that. I think it is. Hey, if you haven't already, be sure to grab a copy of my book, The Boomerang Effect, over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. That's if you want to learn all about how to create helpful marketing and the impact it could have on that beautiful business of yours. I'd love to hear what marketing is working for you, so be sure to call the Small Business Big Marketing Hotline on 0480-015-150. If you're loving the podcast, you'll find 558 more episodes on your favourite podcast app. Now, this podcast was presented by me, Timbo Reed. The music bed was written, sung and produced by Muso to the Stars, Lockie Dolly, and made great by producer Romy Scher. Thanks, Romy. Until next time, thank you so much for tuning in. May your marketing be the absolute best marketing. Bye for now.